Welcome to Relax and Listen, where Josh is about to speak some recent gaming news. Those of you who play Final Fantasy VII Remake and are well versed into the story of the original know that this game's ending has greatly deterred from the OG. Even I was like, what the fuck is happening? Why is none of this explained as someone who hasn't played the original? From some of the flashback Cloud has that already played it out previously, these things called the Whispers, which are ghosts to keep what's going to happen, happen, Zack survives his encounter against soldiers, and a new episode of Integrate introducing new and returning characters as well. Motomu Toriyama, co-director, was interviewed about the Honeybee Inn section, plus how much the remakes will change things, and how they had to include it, stating, Given how famous the cross-dressing was in the original Final Fantasy VII, we were aware that people would have high expectations for the remake that both lived up to those expectations, but took modern sensibilities into consideration. I'm sure back then this was the talk of the town. Even more so now with his splendid take on how Cloud reacts to how he looks like a girl, Aerith telling him to embrace it, or him dancing his ass off against the other dude, I forgot his name, that made me roll my eyes admittingly. There was at one point a pole dancing scene, which was cut due to the game's rating system. Now, the differentiation I mentioned earlier is also stated here. Toriyama says, This scene is a key example of something that was changed dramatically from the original Final Fantasy VII. As someone who has little knowledge about Final Fantasy VII's story, I am quite curious to see how big or minor these changes will be moving forward, especially on the gameplay department, which I don't think they'll change substantially but rather switch it up like it did at times in the main episode 1. Though he said it will differ significantly from the original, so time is of the essence. Speaking of Final Fantasy, I did get to experience Strangers of Paradise this week on the demo trial. For my game experience of the week, I guess. My overall experience was fun. That announcement trailer did not really do it justice for how the game actually plays, which I made the point before, First impressions are everything. The combat can get tricky if you aren't precise about what you want to accomplish fighting an enemy, depending on what weapon you have in your kit. I pretty much use all the weapons, from the lancer, the big sword, and the mace weapon, plus the magic. While I played on hard, I felt that I wasn't necessarily cheated on my debts. It's more the UI that threw me off. So as with all Souls game, Neo games, your stamina, or your break gauge, as the game likes to call it. When your character attacks, the bar will either stop filling up, assuming you miss your swings, go down when you're hit, or break when it drains completely, leaving you vulnerable to attack for a short period of time. The thing is, I feel like the gauge has to do a better job to inform me when I'm at the tail end of it, because when you think about hard games like these, you're given little time to react to movement enemies might throw at you. So if I'm finding three goblins in a cluttered area, and my bar is at 15%, I would have no way of really noticing it because I'm in a heat of battle and have limited options on how I can maneuver. So when it breaks, it surprises me, minor annoyances here and there. I just wish a sound clue or a color and change could make it more urgent, you know? Maybe make my teammates mention something about me looking fatigued? I don't know. You have these jobs which are essentially the levels of the weapons you have selected. So you have your equipment that you can find to either enhance or reduce on your playstyle on how it works 
depending on what effects it can possibly give out. It's kind of awkward casting magic because you can't really stand still to use them and you have to lock on to a target for it to have a greater chance of possibly hitting it. But how you learn is all about experimentation and just hoping you don't die. The actual sound effects could be better in some cases especially when something is hitting hard visually but you know sounds weak. The graphics definitely need some work. Nothing too impressive I will say. Also I wish my party members would revive me. I'm not sure if they do or don't on easy or normal. But good lord, going against the boss and seeing, and seeing them still kicking ass while I'm dead doesn't provide a good excuse of why they can't. If it's supposed to be a Final Fantasy game, of course. Some of the music is pretty good. A minor nitpick, but when I broke the gauge on the boss several times, I wish when you use your finisher that it carries over to the next phase in terms of damaging him. It's the Final Fantasy VII remake problem, ironically enough, where you get to a threshold in a fight after doing a cer certain amount of damage, the crux being if I were to use limit in Final Fantasy VII Remake, but then it decides to go to its next phase after putting the beating on them, then none of those, none of the damage that I did is uh, carried over. So it feels like that. I did like some of the material you can equip on Jack. Sonic. Sonic the Hedgehog has a lay from his list. Sonic Colors Ultimate, to his merchandise, the Symphony Orchestra Construct, Sonic Prime the TV show, the sequel to Sonic the Hedgehog movie, to the new Sonic Rangers for next year. Takashi Lizuka revealed what Sonic Adventure achieved in the late 90s. He's hoping Rangers can fulfill that foundational level each game came after. Here's his quote. Sonic Adventure laid the foundation for 20 years of Sonic titles after its release. So, in the same way, I really hope that this new title releasing in 2022 lays the foundations for the following feature Sonic titles. That is the idea behind the challenge for the team. Now, I'm no expert to say that the games after SA2 were unique in their own way, but their quality and gameplay were all over the place. I really don't get the idea that something like Sonic Heroes, strictly talking about the mainline games, or Sonic Lost World or Unleashed or Secret Rings could be what set the standard for these games. I'm not talking about the 3D platforming. It's still present, of course. It has to do with the level of consistency and fun each of those strive for. But I would not go out of my way to say, yeah, these are what follow SA1 in two steps. In fact, after Unleashed, they took the boost approach, but scaled back on some level designs. Forces being the egregious one for only asking you to boost, and be mindless while the game just plays itself for you, which doesn't evoke consideration on how the player can reach the goal ring because everything is linear as shit. My point is that every single one of these games does something different, but it forgets what made Sonic Adventure 1 and 2 the pinnacle of what people expect from a Sonic game, in my opinion. Lee Suka didn't specify what else we could expect besides that it will be something new and challenging, and that he wanted to present to everyone that yes, they are working on a new game. All right. One more game I'm going to talk about this week, since there's no games being released because it's an empty week. But I did mention it in my previous podcast, so check it out if you're curious. I played Neo: The World Ends With You. It's a very colorful, very stylistic game. It kind of reminds me both of Jet Set Radio in terms of like the function of battles. So battles are in real time. I guess you could say Final Fantasy 13. That's a better depiction. And you're given these pins. Pins are your form of attacks, but you can't spam them or be mashy like you would in Kingdom Hearts or like Final Fantasy 15. When you attack, when you attack, ev everything has a cooldown to it. Pins are another form of how the characters attack. So one could have an ice pillar, 
One could be, you know, very combat heavy. Another one could play range. But it all depends on what you want to prioritize for each and every single individual character. I'm, I'm not sure there's like a whole lot of difference between, you know, choosing what Rindo or the other guy that likes to call him Rind dude. But I'm pretty sure there's no substantial or, you know, attack power change, if I remember correctly. Uh, every time you use a pins, you can, you know, you can level them up as big as five. I'm not, I'm pretty sure it could be even more. But you get these pins and they could do a lot of different attacks. Alright, so how you initiate these battles is kind of like Persona 5's lore. The characters have the phones and they can like switch the app so that way it'll go to a different dimension of the same place. But, you know, it's even worse considering you have to fight enemies. But you switch to this darker, you know, darker place in Shibuya that you're exploring. All you need to do is just walk you know, towards the enemy. And you can like chain them all together, I think for a short period of time. So I could chain like up to three enemies. They're not all like, you know, out in the open. You have to like actually initiate the battle like Pokemon. After doing so, the battle will start. And you can fill up this gauge or this percentage called Groove, which means another all out attack, which I just kind of think of it like Persona 5. Where all the characters just like gobble in on the enemy. Now for the story or the characters themselves, they're pretty entertaining. Even the main two that you play or that you're like, you know, witnessing the events from. They're not really annoying. They're kind of like, wow, we're just, are we really dead? You know, what is happening here? I just witnessed my friend die. And I somehow went back in the past and changed the outcome. What is this like, dark dreamstone die? But yeah, like I feel the dialogue and the story as a whole so far, it's really captivating. I do like the stylization of the actual cutscenes or in-game, you know, cinematics. It's kind of like that very rough, kind of very rough old school type of anime. The 2000 animes, like the 90 animes meld together into like a stop motion, you know, stop motion video. But I do like the cryptiness that all the characters present. They're like, hey, you, you know, you you should get this thing, but is it really what you want to get? Even exploring Shibuya, it still reminds me of Persona 5, which I'm just drawing a lot of comparisons from, sorry. But it does, and that's like a good thing, in my opinion. It just keeps me engaged in the story, you know, where I explore, where I set my foot in, and like, even the battling system, that core gameplay loop. And the dialogue the characters share with each other really drives the factor that, yeah, this game could potentially be that Persona 5 that gets me into the series. And the music is very solid, breaks me into the experience, and is probably going to be something I listen to outside of just the game itself. And I do recommend trying out the demo because it's going to save your stuff if you decide to buy the whole game. So wherever you leave off, it's going to still be saved. And that's going to do it for here, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in to relax and listen. As always, you stay safe, you be beautiful, and remember, just relax and keep trying your best every single day. I'll see you next week for my next episode.